I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. <laughs> I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is like chemistry lab. I You're just, on the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help Let what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for <laughs> other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Paulie Sibilia. No Paulie Sibilia today. Stephen Fonte, Mario Sacco with you up until 2 o'clock. Mario, uh, or Mario, Paulie is on his way down to Blacksburg, Virginia. Big one tomorrow as the Orange gets set to take on Virginia Tech. Another quad one opportunity for the Orange. We'll uh, talk with Geo Heater, play-by-play broadcaster for 3304 Sports. Uh, he will be uh, on the call uh, for the uh, student station as Syracuse takes on Virginia Tech. He's a Cuse guy. I've known Gio since he was like eight years old. Uh, we'll have him on the show at one, and then our good friend John Ryan at one thirty. Professional sports better. He'll give us his best bets heading into uh, championship weekend in the NFL. The AFC and NFC championship games. We'll get his thoughts on that at one thirty. Plus, we'll mix in your phone calls throughout at three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. What's up, Mario? I thought you were sending me to Blacksburg for a minute there. Uh, I didn't know about it. <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, I wonder where Paulie is. He's probably uh, probably halfway uh, down to Blacksburg by uh, by this point. How did things go yesterday? I wasn't here yesterday. How did how did the show go yesterday? Uh, in Paulie's words, awful. But I thought it went well. Uh, you know, we talked to Coach Beheim, and uh, you know, he was upfront about you know last game and, and what happened in the game. So. Um, Everything going well, and uh, let's look ahead to this Virginia Tech game. They're all important games now for Syracuse, Steve, with 10 games left in the season. You have, I would say, maybe four quad one opportunities left ahead of you, two of them staring you at the face here in the next three days. Yeah, and, and you just said let's, let's look ahead, and, and that's a phrase that, that came up right before we hit the air. Jordan, our producer, brought up, you know, is this a, a look-ahead spot for the Orange? I, I don't think this is – I don't think anybody's looking ahead. Um, and I know Virginia's next, and that's a big one. Um, there's no look-ahead, though. It's, it's all about whoever the next opponent is. It happens to be Virginia Tech. I know Syracuse beat them, and this one's down there. But again, keep in mind, Hunter Couture is back. This team can't afford to look past or anyone. Like no, they, they either can Virginia Tech. That, well, that's true. Now. Yeah, I'm not concerned about Virginia Tech. I'm concerned about Syracuse. <laughs> and, and and for Syracuse, this is not a look ahead spot in my opinion. This is the you know the Hokies have their full and undivided attention. They got Couture back. They just beat Duke as we know last week. Um, you know this past week. So um, you know it's it's an opportunity they they need. A quality win. Their best win right now is Virginia Tech at home. It looks better on the resume if you're able to beat them on the road. And again, a lot of people looked at Virginia Tech. You know, Jerry said this yesterday when I talked to him for the the Orange Nation Television Show. He said, you know, they were looked at as a dark horse to win the ACC going into the season, and they've been ravaged by injuries. And you know, they're starting to get healthy now. They're almost completely healthy. And they're playing better basketball, but don't look at their record. Like this is still a really good Virginia Tech team, and it's a, a desperate team that's you know back against the wall. Use any cliche you want. Teams play better when they're desperate, and uh, and both of these teams are going to head to Blacksburg uh, and take the court tomorrow. Uh, very desperate. Just look at the weapons that that Virginia Tech has. I mean, they weren't the ACC champs for no apparent reason last year. Uh, you know, beating Duke in the championship game. Uh, Mutz causes problems every time he plays Syracuse. Uh, you know, he's a double-double machine. 
the way that he can score from that high post area and the way that he can distribute the basketball. We saw Bazzelli uh, last time against them, you know, lead Virginia Tech over 20 points in the basketball game against Syracuse. And, no, you throw in the, you know, Hunter Couture who can shoot the ball from behind the arc. Virginia Tech went 3 of 19 in that basketball game last time they played here at the Dome. Um, that's not going to happen when, when, one, you're on your home floor, and, two, you got guys like Sean Padula and Hunter Couture that can shoot the ball from the outside. So Syracuse is going to have their hands full uh, on Saturday down in Blacksburg. So, you, you know, in terms of which of these games will be quad ones, um, you know the next two are going to be quad ones. Virginia Tech and Virginia, definitely in the quad one category. Uh, Pittsburgh is going to – the road game at Pittsburgh, that's going to be a yeah. quad one. At Clemson is going to be a quad one. So those are the four – for sure. That's what I was, right. Duke is borderline. Yeah. Duke is 32 right now. You got to be in the top 30 uh, for that to be a quad one. So there's a, a chance that that would be a fifth quad one. And then whatever happens in the ACC tournament, there's a chance. You know, let's say you know maybe let, let's give them one more quad one in the ACC. Um, so you've got roughly a half a dozen, but four that you know for sure. Yeah. And and these next two for sure are going to be quad one opportunities and. Um, you know, I, I think they need them both. I mean, you know, Paulie and I were talking about it, and I I think they need them both to just to even get back in the conversation. We brought it up with Mike Waters last night on the television version of Orange Nation about what do they need to do. And, uh, you know, I think everyone agrees they have a lot of work to do just to get back where you're even considering Syracuse with the NCAA tournament. They have a lot of work to do because nothing happened on the uh, non-conference portion of things. And, you know, you, you can – Say, oh, you know, well, SU's playing great the last 10 games of the season. If it happens, well, you know, they take the whole picture now. And and quite frankly, the ACC really didn't help themselves in non-conference slate of things. So, you know, when you're looking at things and you see, oh, Syracuse maybe with two quad one wins compared to a Big Ten team that, you know, has the same thing, you're probably going to take that Big Ten team over SU when it comes to it. And, And you mentioned, you know, six maybe quad one opportunities. SU, I think, needs at least three or four of those to, to be in that conversation and, and to feel good about themselves. Right now, they don't even have one. So, you know, let, let's start talking and get that win on Saturday uh, against the Virginia Tech team that is kind of in the same situation. They do have two good wins in conference play, but they're only two and seven. You know, their wins are over Duke and North Carolina in conference play. They're nine and two at home. So, well, we know how difficult, and Jerry talked about the unique, uh, you know, atmosphere down in Blacksburg. Um, playing them, so uh, it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, Syracuse one and six right now in quads one and two, yeah. uh, and that, that one, one win, win, of course, was was Virginia Tech. And and you look at, at Virginia Tech's resume, and there's a reason that you know Virginia Tech's net ranking is favorable. I mean, Vatex fifty five right yeah. now, and you look at their record, they're twelve and eight, um, but they're five and three in quad two. Um, so they, you know, from a analytical perspective, and and when you look at the metrics. Uh, you know, Virginia Tech isn't having as bad of a year as when you look at twelve and eight. You're kind of oh, when you look struggling. at two and seven in the ACC. Right. You think you know. right, but it's it it you know not all records are created equally, and um, they're a better team. You know, I think we've heard this saying a few times lately, and maybe it hasn't been the case that you know maybe Louisville's a better team than than their record indicates. No, Louisville's not good. Um, 
I think I do think Virginia Tech is a better team than their record would indicate, especially when they are whole and healthy. And Hunter Couture, who is such a good defender and such a good shooter, he makes an impact on both ends of the court. He obviously wasn't there for the for the first meeting. Uh, we thought he was going to be. Remember, he was yeah. supposed to come yeah, back yeah, for that yeah. Syracuse game, just wasn't quite ready. Uh, came back the following game. Syracuse, you know, beat him without Couture out there. He's back now and. Um, you know, Vodtech is thinking, all right, we're finally healthy. Let's go make a run. And and this is obviously a, a critical game for both these teams tomorrow. And we saw in the game against Virginia Tech what Joe was able to do when, when Padula was guarding him. You know, he, he would back him down and, and shoot over him in, in the post. He did it a couple of times. And, you know, if Hunter Couture is guarding him, will Joe be able to do that? Um, you know, that's a matchup to watch. Probably not matchup to watch and, and you know yeah probably not because we we saw you know when the bigger guy was on him and you know leaky black is is a great defender in, in guarding joe so how will that matchup shake out and, and can jesse you know make some room down in the post uh, against you know mutts down there and, and bazelli and you know you, you mentioned leaky black um you know, Gerard isn't necessarily backing down Leaky Black, and and he, you know, he he really got going once Leaky Black left the game, and you know, Joe hit two shots right after that happened, and then got on track, and then when Black came back in, uh, he was able to keep it going. He scored 18 points against, you know, again, not all 18 were against Leaky Black, but. He scored uh, at least half of those, you know, 10, 12 points against arguably the best defender in the I ACC. I mean, in the so, ACC play, he's the leading scorer in ACC play. He's been he's been terrific. He's been terrific, and they're going to need him to be terrific moving forward. You know, Paulie brought up the point um, a few days ago, saying that you know Joe Girard's going to have to take twenty shots the rest of the way. I think he's right. Like they, you know, we we've both been saying all season they need him to be really good to get where they want to go, and and I think we're seeing that. Like they, it's not a coincidence that he's been good and his team has been playing better, but they they just have to get over the hump, and I think that you know again if. If not for the Bryant loss or the Colgate loss, like you would be feeling pretty good about this team right now, given the way that they're playing. But given the way they're playing isn't enough right now, given their resume. They need, obviously, they they got to get wins. And, and in an it ACC starts that's so wide open, it's not like you're going in in years past and being like, you know, when Syracuse was playing Duke uh, maybe, you know, a couple of years ago, and you're like, there's no way. Like, there, there's no way that they're pulling off that win. Anyone in the ACC at any night, you're like, okay, you know, they, they can play with them. Even, you know, Clemson that, that sits atop the standings. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the it, schedule mean, my, the rest Miami of the way. Miami was a prime example. Yeah. SU was right there with Miami and, you know, not necessarily coughed up a lead, but, but lost it late. The one game that I, you know, this team went into and I thought to myself, I'm not sure if they could compete in this game was at Virginia. Um, because Illinois, I'm not sure we knew enough about either team at that point to know that Illinois was going to smoke them. But going into the Virginia game, I was like, I don't think this is going to go well. And, you know, they lost by seven. I know that it, it maybe wasn't as close as the score would indicate. Virginia built that big lead and then Syracuse came back. But that is, that, I mean, that's my concern for Monday. We'll get to Monday on Monday. Um, but the, you look at the schedule the rest of the way. I don't think anybody else, maybe outside of Virginia, Gives you that impression of man, this is you know this is going to take a minor miracle to win this game. You know it's Vatech, Virginia, at BC, at Florida State, both doable games. NC State at home, Duke at home. Duke is not Duke this year. Uh, at Clemson, at Pittsburgh, both really good teams, and and record wise they're they're having a lot of success. But you know Syracuse could compete with Clemson and Pitt, and then you're home for Georgia Tech and Wake to close out the year. So it's 
Like it's doable to win a bunch of games here, and you ten left. All right, then, could then, you go then, eight and then two? There like, is ten games left. What do you think Syracuse has to do coming down the stretch? Well, I mean, eight. You know, I threw out eight and two. If you're eight and two or seven and three, again, I I haven't looked at the metrics, and so I don't want to be held to. Oh, you said eight and two, Steve, or seven. Like, Fair enough. That, that's just the my gut reaction is if you could you go eight and two or seven and three down the stretch, um, I would, I'd like, I, I would think you're at least back in the conversation. The seven gets you to twenty. Eight gets you to twenty one. You would still still have ACC to do tournament. work in the ACC tournament. Yeah. And if you're only losing two or three games, that means you at least have one quad one. You you probably have multiple if you've if you've gone seven and three. If you've gone eight and two, you definitely do. Um, so I, that would be my ballpark. I think that would, that's got to be what you're shooting for. And and again, it's it's doable. You know, I mean, they're going to have to play good basketball on a consistent basis. But I think we're starting to see this team play a little bit more more consistently. Yeah, and Jesse Edwards said it in the locker room after the North Carolina game, and he's like, it, "This feeling stinks. Like it's not good. Like uh, I one all these guys obviously don't like to lose, but especially the fashion that they've lost a couple of these close games lately. And you know, he's putting it on his shoulders, being one of those leaders. You know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to try and get these guys over the hump. And I think you know." Seven wins is the bare minimum. Out of I think that, so too. That stretch. I think so too. Because again, if you if you look at it and and let's even say they go eight and two and their losses are to Virginia and Duke, for the sake of argument, and I know that's a big if. <laughs> what what jumps off the page at you? I mean, from an analytical standpoint, you'd be like, well, they beat Clemson at Clemson, they beat Pitt at Pitt. Like those would be quad one wins. Or Virginia Tech, throw that in the mix. You'd have three quad one wins under that scenario. But does anything really like? Do you have a signature win on your resume? Yeah. I'm not really sure you do. So I'm not I'm not sure that you know your seven and three. Your two chances, your your really two chances at the signature win. Obviously, Virginia Tech on Saturday is staring at you straight in the face on Monday. Yeah, like you beat a right. fifteen and three Virginia team, then you're going to have some eyes back watching you. Yeah, I mean that Virginia would move the needle, right? Um, and I'm not sure any of these other games necessarily move the needle. Virginia would feel like it would count like a couple, you know. That might make up for one of your your early. Not only would it feel like a couple, I think it would get the team to realize. I mean, they already know that they can play with anyone in the country. Joe Girard said in, in on our uh, News Channel Nine yesterday that you know we're there with every team in the country, but knowing that they can get over the hump, especially against a Virginia team that you know legitimately is is maybe you know top ten team in the nation when it's all said and done. Yeah, Virginia's really, really good. Um, and but first, I, it starts with Virginia no, Tech. No, I know, on Saturday. I know, I know. Like, we're we're looking, know. we're looking big picture though. You said out of the ten, how yeah. many do they need? Uh, you know, it's the answer is probably eight. Um, you know, if you could get Virginia, then maybe it's seven. Um, I don't know. I, I, we have to see how the whole thing plays out. But <laughs> I think the, the bottom line is they got to win a lot more than they lose yeah. to close out the season to to put themselves in the conversation. And I think we would still be yes, losses to to Colgate and Bryant hurt. Um, we would still be talking about this, though, with 10 left, I think, to play, even if you you win both those games. Well, the the only difference would be is that, I mean, those right now, losses. Right now, they're six and four in the conference. If you, if you gave them those two wins, you're talking about a team that's 15 and six and six and four in the conference. That feels a lot better than 13 and eight. What, with no, no real win to, to, no, I know you. You, we yeah. would still be talking about the what's lacking on their resume is a quality win or a quad one win. But it's it's twofold now. It's not only are they lacking quality wins, but they've got this issue of these two really bad losses yeah. at the beginning of the season. So I, I do think they would be in a much different position now if they had won those two games. The Colgate uh, loss isn't looking too bad. Uh, 
<laughs> when they, when the season well, they're, finishes, they're, like. they're beating Patriot League. I mean, yes, I, I mean Colgate's been good in in, in conference. They shouldn't have lost. That. I mean, they should have. I mean, Colgate outplayed them that day. But I'm just saying that that is going to sting. That absolutely. That, you look back. Brian on that one, one is too. Like no no way around it. What is Colgate's uh, net at this point? I see uh, it, Jordan. I know we have they're to take a time out. Hang on. Uh, like one. I'm still going here. I'm at 137. I'm still I going. Think it's higher. I think it might be like 160 something. Yeah, I'm. I'm getting there. I looked yesterday. Maybe I passed it. It might not even be. I mean, nine and zero in Patriot League, but they were six and seven entering Patriot League play. So that really doesn't help. I must have blown past it. I was I was going too fast. Jordan was pressuring me. He said we we'll got to take a break. Later. We got to take a break. Now I'm triggered. See, <laughs> this makes for great radio. Net rankings. Jordan, you got to help us out here. We'll hit a timeout, and we'll, we'll tell you on the other side. Of I'm going to find Colgate's net ranking during the commercial break. Uh, we'll hear from Jim Beheim from the Jim Beheim Show. Uh, we've got Geo Heater coming up at one. John Ryan coming up at one thirty. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back in, Orange Nation. Steven Fonti, Mario Sacco, Jordan Capozzi, filling in for Paulie Sibilia, the Jay Giles Band, your artist of the day. This one ain't nothing but a house party off the 1973 album Bloodshot. The song was actually recorded a few years earlier by the show Stop, believe it or not. You are really enjoying Jay Giles' band day, I can tell. They're good. They're good. I'm also really going to enjoy this, hoping to give away some tickets to Syracuse, Virginia on Monday. We got David in Syracuse on the line. David, I'm hoping I can make this one easy. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. Let's let it rip. The Virginia Tech Hokies mascot dates back to 1896, back when the school was the Virginia Agricultural and Mechanical College. What I want to tell you, ask you, should I say, what animal does the hokey derive from? Uh, if I had to guess, I'm going to say a bird. I'm going to give you one more guess because you're on the right track. Because you're not technically wrong, but I need specifics. What kind of bird? Um, a turkey? David? You got it. You're going to Syracuse, Virginia. I was nervous for a second, but you got it. Yes, the mascot actually debuted during a Thanksgiving Day game back in the day. It was a long process, man. They spent like 50 years trying to get this mascot sorted out. They were the Gobblers, then they became the Hokies. Uh, thank you, David. Enjoy the game, and we'll put you on hold, and Matt out at the Mega Desk will make sure those tickets get to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, David, enjoy the game. I was worried there for a second, too, but he came through. Oh, it, it was close. It was close. Um, you guys want to play a few more games? Yeah, let's do uh, Let's do the match game. And we, we have a sponsor now to the match game. It's brought to you by the Elite Wealth Management Group, your GPS to financial planning. So go for it, Jordan. As we do on Orange Nation ahead of every game, we're playing the match game. No poly, no problem. We're going to start off with the opponent, the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hunter Couture missed the first meeting between the two teams, which Syracuse by one. Hunter Couture will make blank threes against Syracuse. He made five his last time out against Duke. Four. 
screaming at the golf course? Three of them coming in the first half. Yeah, um, like the first ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, my, the number that popped into my head when he asked the question was three. Okay, he had uh, two and three the previous couple of games before that. Reasonable number. Uh, we all know Justin Mutz wreaks havoc in the middle of the zone, and uh, Grant Basile for Virginia Tech had 10 rebounds last time out. They averaged 13.1 a game combined this season. Justin Mutz and Grant Basile will combine for blank rebounds tomorrow against Syracuse. Uh, Let's take that one. I will say 16. Woo! Literally, was we, we got the same number in mind. 16. <laughs> so we matched. Ding, ding, ding. What do we win? That was eerie. You win another question. All right. Shoot it. We're going to get to Syracuse now. Judah Mintz is two for 10 on three pointers in the year 2023. Made one against Virginia on the seventh, one against UNC last time out. Judah Mintz will shoot blank threes tomorrow and will make blank threes tomorrow. He will shoot. Two three-pointers, and he will make zero. I don't think he's taking a three tomorrow. Really? Nope. So I want to ask a question while we're here. I know you got to keep shooting to keep the defense honest. At what point, I'm not going to use the famous term, but at what point does Judah Mintz just kind of, you know, stop shooting threes? I, I think ideally he stops shooting threes, but the way that they're defending him yeah, and I guys mean, the one he off. shot against North Carolina, the, the closest guy was from here to yeah. your desk out there. Away from I, I think he'll take a, a three or two. Um, but he's not a great three-point shooter, and that's something he's got to work on. And if he can add that to his game, uh, he becomes all the more dangerous, obviously. But right now, he's not a great three-point shooter. But yeah, it, it, you're right, Jordan. I mean, if if they're going to dare you to shoot it, you know, as long as you're in rhythm and it's a good shot, and you know, maybe the shot clock's at you know four or five seconds you got to put it up I, he took one three-point attempt against virginia tech last game he had 12 points four of nine from the field four of six from the free throw line so yeah, i mean as a team su only took 16 threes there eight of 16 in the game. now it's our favorite part of the game joe gerard talk syracuse men's basketball starts slow how slow Syracuse men's basketball starts so slow that people are now starting to confuse the bad starts with the bad finishes, and it's all grouped together. That's how slow, Steven Mario. So I want to know, when Virginia Tech reaches 10 points, a great degenerate gambling angle, by the way, the race to 10. By the time Virginia Tech reaches 10 points, Syracuse will have blank points. I wonder if somebody's getting rich around the country just every Seriously? game. Yeah, that, that <laughs> that is, like, I didn't know that was a thing until, uh, yeah. like I I, 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 I don't know from pers- personal <laughs> experience. I'm just guessing. I'm just guessing. Steve, I want the people to hear the music. I, I, know know the music's a little loud. Like, I, Did you know that was the thing? You can bet. I, well, I do, yeah, you can I do, do race to 10, race yeah. to 20. Race yeah. to, I mean, in the Golden State game the other night, I had first to 123, and it pushed because it ended at 122. <laughs> Oh, in that case, they they give you your money back? Yeah, I was surprised, too. <laughs> really? I, you never get your money back. It was exciting. Wait. And you can't bet on this one in the state of New York, so don't try. 
That's why I said I wonder if somebody <laughs> around the country is like, man, Syracuse is playing. Uh, let's pick the opponent. Race to I, ten. They're in Blacksburg. Um, we all know about the environment. Can they shake the slow starts? Virginia. Hang on. To I, I have a follow up question on this. You bet on the I, first one twenty. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Out of all numbers, Steph like, Curry had just gotten ejected. It was Grizzlies Warriors. You knew they were going to come out hot. Jordan Poole makes the layup. They finish with one twenty two. I'm still scared. But why, why was there? Why could you bet on one twenty three? They were tied at one thirteen. So it's 10 oh, points. Oh, so it went 10 oh, points more. Okay, it's always like the 10. Interesting. Next 10. Yeah. I always thought it was like 5, 10, 15, 20. <laughs> kind of like next touchdown, I guess. Right, 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 right. The things you learn. So what is the question? When Virginia three. Tech reaches points. 10 points 10, tomorrow, Syracuse will have blank points. Seven. It's going to be 8, 7. It's going to be a good game tomorrow from the, from the jump. SU's going to solve the slow starts. Mario, not, they're not going to fall way behind. Do you remember what we set the line at yesterday with Dan? Five and a half, wasn't it? What's your prediction on that, Steve? Who's favored by five and a half? Virginia Tech. Yeah, give me Q's. Yeah, I think I think Virginia Tech should but, but be a slight favorite. Do you think that's a fair line? We have no idea what the line I is. I don't know. Yet. I would I would have probably said like three or four, but well, what, we what do I know? I originally said that, and then we I talked we talked ourselves up to five and a half. It's a tough game to handicap. I mean, yes, yeah, Syracuse wins by 10 the first time. Now you're in Blacksburg. We all know about that environment. Hunter Couture is back. If he's sniping threes like he was against Duke, then it's going to be an entirely different ball game. Again, I think there's potential, and I don't think Jim Beheim or the staff are looking ahead to Virginia, but you already beat Virginia Tech by 10. You know Virginia is like a real chance at a big win. You got to hope the focus is on tomorrow. I, mean, I, have, I have, have no just concern as much focus about that on Virginia Tech as well because it's a big, big game. It's are you concerned, are you worried about that, Jordan? It's something. If you were listening to a new house at night last night with Jake Gorowitz, uh, Bryce Gelman, Doug Latuka, they were talking about how this might be a look ahead game for Virginia Tech. But I just wonder. You already beat the team. That's for how, Virginia Tech. But no, you already know, beat but, a team by ten. You've got a quick turnaround. How, Two is, days how later. is either team in a look ahead spot? I just I don't know. We're like all, I, it's a must win every not, game too. And, I, and, and those guys, I can guarantee you, aren't thinking that and, and haven't thought that all, all no, season long. I don't see this as a look ahead spot for either team. Generally, yeah. with a look ahead spot, it's somebody who's playing really, really well, <laughs> yeah. and they've got like got, a big 15. game, and then somebody who's bad in the middle, yeah. and then a big game. Yeah. I n- not when one, they, not when this stretch of games that you have just played. Yeah, neither you know, one of these teams Miami, can, can look ahead or should be looking ahead. At Georgia Tech. You know, a North Carolina game, Virginia Tech, and like you can't think that at all. You can't think it at all in the ACC, and it's been proven this year. You know, game in and game out. I do agree. I just a double digit win taking, might instill some confidence. Unless you're taking that, uh, Miami against Florida State, and then things happen for you. I don't want to talk about Sorry Florida about State anymore. I just want to talk about Virginia Tech, and we have just a man to do that coming up. All right, is it confirmed? Do we we have yeah, confirmation? Yeah. We're gonna give our man Geo a ring. All right, uh, Geo Heater, Giovanni Heater. I call him Geo. Uh, my daughter went to school with him when they were like in second grade. So uh, Geo will join us next as we uh, preview Syracuse and Virginia Tech. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> Welcome back in, Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, no Polly Sibilia today. Mario Sacco's here on ESPN Radio Syracuse and Utica, Rome. Jay Giles Band, Artist of the Day. We're getting a little later in their career. This is Love Stinks off of the 1980 album, Love Stinks. And we still have their, their big hits still to come. Oh, we got to... 
quick story. I'll be very quick. I told my mom, today's the Jay Giles band. And I don't know any of their songs. She's like, you haven't heard Centerfold? I'm like, that's what Paulie said. They're about the same age. And then she plays it. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I love this one. Like, this is awesome. Why didn't anybody tell me? So last two songs are bangers. Uh, much like the Jim Beheim show is every week, especially 8.30 p.m. on QSportsTalk.com on Thursdays, where you can ask Coach whatever the heck you like. All right, uh, we should mention that uh, this hour of Orange Nation brought to you by Wildcat Pizza Pub, and uh, we've got John Ryan set to join us in the next segment, but uh, we'll uh, we'll look back on some of what Jim Beheim had to say on the Jim Beheim show. Uh, we'll do so now, and uh, I know that, uh, Mario, you had him on the show yesterday when I wasn't here, and, and you guys talked about the the close game situations, the the fact that they've, they've lost a few of these now to, to Miami, North Carolina in particular, lost by four points, and um, you know, he said that it's it's not a closing out a game problem. It's just when you're in close games, sometimes you're going to lose some. Yeah, and you know, specifically, I asked him, you know, trying to get Joe the ball, and he said, you know, it's a game by game situation. We've we've tried to get on the ball at times, it just hasn't happened. You know, and, and Jerry touched on it with you. You know, Jude had a straight line drive to the hoop to to try and get to the basket, uh, and you know, you're going to take that a hundred out of a hundred times. So. And one thing uh, Jerry did say was he'd like to see him finish off two feet instead of one. You know, he was obviously attacking and, and tried to go in with the Euro step off one foot. It it limits your options. He said if he had been a little bit more under control off two feet, he, he probably not only makes the basket there, he probably draws the foul and at the very least draws the foul um, and uh, and they would have been able to take the lead. Let's, uh, let's go uh, to uh, the comment from Jim Beheim last night talking about these close game situations. You play close games, you're going to win something, you're going to lose something. That's, with a young team, you're probably going to lose a few more than you would win. That's just the nature of the game. Judas made a couple really good drives at the end of the games, and, and then at the Miami game and then the North Carolina game, he made two bad decisions. He tried to go through people and uh, instead of just going around. That, that happens with freshmen. Yeah, and you know, I think that the more that you're in these situations, the better you're going to be the next time. And sometimes, especially with younger teams, you need to learn how to win these close games before you can start doing so on a consistent basis. I get all that, and I think that, that makes sense. That's logical. I understand it. And, and now it's now it's time to start winning. Now you want to see it. Yeah, right. Like we we've seen them in these situations. If it goes back to the Pittsburgh game, if it goes, you know, to to Miami, and, and now you know North Carolina. You know, we, we saw what he did against Notre Dame. He hit, he hit the big shot, you know, put him up, and, and free throws free, free throws the rest of the way. But, um, yeah, now you want to see SU get over that hump and win these close games. And, and they you know, they have won a few. Like, they beat Notre Dame twice in close games. Yeah. They beat Louisville in a close game. But it's, you know, th- the those are the— stick those out. Are, right, <laughs> yeah, they, like they stick gonna... out. Those are the lesser teams, yeah. and they haven't been able to, to, to win these close games against the better teams. And that makes sense. I mean, that's that's why those are better teams yeah. because they're, you know, they've— They've got the the horses to win close games, and uh, you got to start seeing the results if you're the Orange. Um, all right, let's let's hear from Jim Beheim on the return of Hunter Couture. I, I think we would all agree this is a much different Virginia Tech team when he's on the floor versus when he's not on the floor. Their best player, the best defender, is back, and he was he just they lost every game with him out. He's just a tremendous player, leader, and just changes their whole team. and And Virginia Tech is probably the one of the, it's probably what might be the toughest building to play in Clemson there. They're 
two of the toughest buildings in the league to play in. And they know they have to win. They're desperate. And they'll, they'll give us everything they've got. He, he is a difference maker. Um, and, and really on both ends of the floor. We know him as a, as a shooter. Does, does it scare you more uh, of him as the shooter, Hunter Couture, or what he brings on the defensive well, side. Well, that's where I was going with that, is that we know him as the shooter, but he's a really good defender as well. And, you know, as we heard Gio talk about, I mean, he's he's good enough to guard either guy. He can stay in front of Judah, but he he's also got some size to him. And, um, you know, Joe's not going to be able to back him down. So I, I think the, the bigger impact he will make on this game, and at least I, I think from a Syracuse perspective, you hope that it's more on the defensive end than, uh, than the offensive end because – you know he he has the capability of making eight threes, honey. If you don't pay attention, as we saw last year, so um, I I think that that's probably the bigger deal. You know, Syracuse deals with shooters on a regular basis, but a guy who can defend the way that he can, I, I think that's the bigger impact for him on this game is is what he does on the defensive end. I'm going to go opposite. I, I think it's on the offensive end because they need scoring from the perimeter. They didn't get it in the last game, and if he can bang home four threes, you know that's. Uh, could be, you know, five, six, seven-point swing if he's scoring, you know, 15 a game for you um, compared to what they got uh, last game. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, you know, the, the Syracuse— I disagree with you every once in a while. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, and I'm with you. I mean, Joe went for 24, yeah. so, you know, in that first one. So I, I think I, I would go the opposite. Um, but, yes, he's a great player on both I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that question. Um, all right, Jordan, let's get uh, let's get one more in here. Um, and, and this was on Q Sports Talk only last night on the Jim Beheim show. He was asked about how playing time is distributed. Whoever starts is playing while they stay in longer. You, you get your playing time when you start, when you come off the bench, by how well you play. You play well, you stay in longer. That's just the way it works. And it's not or it's not rocket science, but there's no formula like after eight minutes take this guy out. That's not the way you coach. You take out the guys that need to be taken out. And we were talking about that during the during the commercial break that there is very much a, a formula in the NBA. Like you watch NBA games and it's six minute mark hits. And yeah, you're, it's your timeout. You, you make yeah. your change. I mean, there is a rotation and guys get into that rhythm and and yeah. I mean, I, I think if somebody's got it going a particular night, maybe they earn themselves a few extra minutes. But generally speaking, in an NBA game, you go into the game, the players know what they're going to play that night and and they know when to go in. What you know, who they're going to be going up against, and I, it, it's very formulated in the NBA. It, not so much in college, and we've seen that really at the. the it's evident at the forward position yep. in particular. You know, Jesse's out there majority of the time. Joe and and Judah are out there majority of the time. But at the forward position, we've seen Malik Brown the last six games. He's averaging over twenty seven minutes, and and that is. You know that has evolved over the course of this year. Is that they're they're trusting him more. He's been consistent. He's been reliable. He's been getting more time. But but if, if he's saying that and saying that you know it, all what the guys do on the floor. Well, Malik Brown has proven over this twelve stretch of games, so to say, that it, that he's outplayed Benny. You know why not a shakeup? You know is it. More of a, a routine thing, so to say. I have a silly question yeah. to add to that too, and I know it's not like just an easy thing to. No, it's never one person's no. fault. Yeah. But if you're starting slow every time, and there's a guy who is getting pulled from the game every time, is there any chance that starting Malik might help with this slow start thing? So, I think that there's there's two answers to that question. Okay, number one is, and we're gonna have to take the coach's word for it on this, is that he he says that Benny on a regular basis is the best forward at practice. Every day at practice, he's he's the best player. 
So I think that that is one thing. I think the other thing is that you 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 run the risk, and we've talked about this on the show before, and some people disagree with it. I understand why you disagree with it, but I, I do think that they're sticking by him because you don't want to lose him mentally either. You you assume that you need him. It's not like Malik is going to be enough, right? You need you you need all of your forwards. You need Chris you Bell, need right? Right, because what would have happened? Let's say you give up on Chris Bell early in the year when he wasn't making shots, yep. right? And then it's Malik and, and Benny, and I know they they play the same position. But I'm just saying, if you had or Justin Taylor for that matter, Justin Taylor's shooting really well in practice. He's come in, he's giving you a nice spark. So we're going to move on from Chris Bell, and you put Justin Taylor in there. That's great for Justin Taylor, but what does that do for Chris Bell? And now Chris Bell's starting to play better, and I think you're seeing that patience has paid off with him. And the hope is that the patience with Benny is going to pay off, and now you've got four forwards that could contribute instead of two. And I, I think that that is the concern that you're going to lose him mentally um, if, I know, if you replace him. I want to know back in the day what the, you know, we, we talk about Benny and Malik right now, what the conversation was. You know, Dion Waiters came off the bench for Syracuse. like Worked out pretty well for him. How, how, did, <laughs> how did that work out of, like, you know, Dion – you're coming off the bench, but you're also playing, right? And, and a lot 30, of times, he, thirty-two minutes, and he a was game. playing crunch time minutes. You and, and yeah. you know, you've heard Jim Bam say this before. It's not who starts; it's who finishes the game. And you know, and you'll see over the course of the game as it evolves. Now, I I will say this: I know that a lot of people, to your question, it's not a bad point you brought up, Jordan. That's a lot what you of say are, when somebody makes a bad point. No, 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 no. I, I'm, it's not a bad point, <laughs> but I I would also caution that I don't think it's as simple as so. Su has has gotten off the slow starts consistently. That is a fact and that can't be debated. I don't think it is necessarily Benny's fault why they're getting off to slow starts and I understand the correlation is that well it must be Benny's fault because then Malik comes in and he plays better. I I don't I don't think it can be pinned on Benny. Like you look at why why do you have your hands I up? I very specifically said it's not all on one no, player and you can't do that, Steve. I know. I, I very specifically and said I it. And I very specifically said it's not a bad point. I'm just saying a lot of people draw that that correlation of Benny struggling as a player and the team is struggling to start and Benny starts, therefore it must be Benny's fault. And I, and I didn't say but you said that. How much further can you go? You have 10 games left in the season now. And if this has been a problem for three-fourths of the season, I would say. But if it was if it was Benny's fault every I'm not saying, game, I'm, I would say I'm like. Not say, I'm, I'm taking out Benny, right. the Benny and Malik situation like. Something has to change. Like, like they what? Here's what, the thing: what ten can games you to figure it out before yeah, the ACC tournament. Change? They didn't lose the Carolina game because this, they got off to a slow start. They didn't can lose the Miami game because they got off to a slow start. Like they're not. And I understand people are frustrated, and I get it. And you know, some teams are just second half teams. You know, they, but they didn't lose the Carolina game because of the slow start or the Miami I'm game, not telling, or even the Pitt game for that matter. They came back from down a hundred and gave themselves I'm a chance out to win. Wins and losses. Right. I'm saying when you look at these slow starts, what can you change? And everyone looks at the I, starting lineup. That's well, what you're looking at. Yeah, I, I think if they if they had an easy fix, it would have been done by now. And they they obviously don't believe that yeah. that is the answer. And I'm not saying there's there's one one way. Or that. I'm just saying that's what you're looking at. You're looking at three fourths of the season. I could be wrong with numbers, but you started slow. What what is the factor in that? Can you change looking at you know? How a defense is so, played. So how, I, can I? Can I? I'm going to play devil's advocate yeah. here. Could it be? Could it be that the opponent comes in with a really good plan of attacking the zone? I said this yesterday. And they attack it. Yep. And they attack it well. And that's a And then point. Syracuse adjusts. Yep. I said. I said the exact same right. thing yesterday. I said those first six minutes of a basketball game are normally your feeling out period, like a first quarter of a football game. 
So that, I mean that that could and then as you that adjust, could be the case. And, yeah. That could be the case. You know, there's no um, easy fix to this problem. There is an easy fix to your post game coverage, though. The Burdick Lexus and Burdick BMW post game show with Brian Higgins and Eric Devendorf is going to be exclusively on QSportsTalk.com tomorrow. Immediately following the conclusion of Syracuse Virginia Tech, join Higgins, join Devo, put your thoughts in the chat. It's a good time. In the three one five. In in the three one five. You missed opportunity there, Jordan. Let's go. Missed opportunity. There. No, no. I I I alley oop. Oh, you wanted me to finish it. I don't okay. want to say it. It's no fun when I say it. All right, uh, we got to hit a timeout here. John Ryan joins us next on ESPN Radio.